How's your financial pulse? That's the big question this morning. And uh, is, it, is it beating pretty well? Yeah. Or is it maybe just barely noticeable? Well, a guy who helps us with that every Tuesday morning is Ryan Fox, who's the Gettysburg Director of the Financial Consulate, a fee-only financial advisory firm. And he does a little segment called The Financial Pulse. And he's got some thoughts this morning on the stock market over the last five years. Ryan, good morning to you. How are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm great, Gary. How are you today? Uh, if I were any better, I'd be you. Uh, that's yeah. that's how happy I am. You know, sometimes people always ask me that. How are you doing? And, you know, that, that's one of those throwaway lines. A lot of times people ask you how you're doing. You say, I'm radioactive. They say, that's great. You know, and, and no one really listens. But you always listen when I when I say that. I, how are you doing? And, 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 and I tell people now on a regular basis, if I were doing any better, it would probably be illegal. Seriously. I mean, I, it's, I'm that happy every day. Isn't that disgusting? You're a lucky guy. <laughs> I could hear you laughing in the back. Anyway, uh, let's get on to it this morning. Thoughts of the last five years of the U.S. stock market is something you've been looking back at a lot. And I guess next month marks, what, the fifth anniversary of, of this bull market? And you've got some tips for people this morning about some of those things. Yeah, thanks, Gary. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was doing some reading the other day, and it came across, uh, you know, it's, it's been five years since we saw this U.S. market bottom out. And if people remember back October 2007 to about March 2009, U.S. stock market dropped nearly 60% over that time, biggest drop since the Great Depression. And you heard about Dow 6,000, or could it go lower? And right. it was a very scary time. Housing prices were dropping. Lehman Brothers, as a firm, literally died. Merrill Lynch was swallowed up by Bank of America. Bailouts, things like that. But from that bottom in March 2009, which we're coming up on the five-year anniversary, uh, till the end of last year, end of 2013, the stock market rallied about 200%, and that's the S&P 500. One of the most powerful stock market rallies in memory, probably in history, that generationally we'll ever think about. And there were a lot of learnings from it. So I thought we'd go over some main points about what we learned over that time. And, you know, the first one is no one really correctly called the stock market bottom in 2009. None of the talking heads on the, on the major networks, anything else. No one really knew what to say except, wow, this market's really falling. And in 2009, when this whole thing turned around, that first quarter, those first three months, the market still fell another 25%. And in spite of GM and Chrysler filing for bankruptcy organizations and the headlines, um, the markets ended up that year about 27%. So the markets were a pretty darn good leading indicator that something was changing. Maybe it's just it was it was beaten down so far. But for investors, one thing to learn is, there's no grand opening at the supermarket of a stock market rally, and there's no last call at the bar of the start of a bear market. <laughs> okay. So we've got to really make sure that we understand that. Um, another p point is over that time, uh, people need to rebalance, especially over the last three or four years as this market has run up. But it's very difficult because rebalancing means buying and selling some of your investments in a portfolio to help uh, what we call un avoid unintentional shifts in your asset allocation where you become much more risky. But it's kind of difficult because investments are very emotional for many people. This whole idea of, gosh, I've got to change things around that are doing so well, you need to, uh, but it works. You need to sometimes change up your diet a little bit. You need to sometimes change up your asset allocation. And the way to do that is through diversification. Diversification is just one tool. It isn't a hammer or a wrench, but it's a series of things that you can use to tie your pieces together in a portfolio. And what I mean by that is not all U.S. stocks, not all U.S. bonds, but you need to have some exposure to other things too. And it's a 
good time of year to mention things like precious metals, things like that, to make sure that your portfolio is not highly concentrated or, nerd speak, highly correlated to any one asset class. Yeah, so when you look at all of this right now, um, you know, for people out there that you know went through that whole 2007 thing and you come out now on the other side and you say, geez, I, I'm not really ready to you know get into that much risk, what do you tell them? Yeah, what we tell them is you've got to look at your asset allocation in your portfolio based on your future cash flow needs. If they've got an extremely long, extremely short time horizon, you've got to know how your investments are expected to perform within that. If they have various pension streams or they're going to soon retire, I mean, there are there are stories of people who were going to retire in 2010 who were still working because they were 99% equity in their 401k. They never realized, and no one really has talked to them about how to reallocate in those needs. So right now, the biggest risk for a lot of people is how to make their fixed income last. And really, fixed income uh, needs to have some hedge against inflation, and usually that's found by some degree of exposure uh, to the stock market. Now, I know that somewhere inside you, you're kind of a big lug like I am, and you like Valentine's Day. It's coming up on Friday. And and, and I I read your note yesterday, and here's what he said. I have a tip or two for Valentine's Day that I did not run by my wife. And so, you know, part of our financial pulse today is flipping in the little Valentine's Day tips from Ryan Fox. Yeah, sometimes we call it Foxonomics, and sometimes it works, sometimes it does. But here's the thing. Valentine's Day is Friday. Roses are very, very expensive right now. Rush delivery is very expensive. Remember, they're much more cheaper the day after Valentine's Day, so you can get, get double the amount. But just like investing, know the risk-return trade-off <laughs> of waiting and plan accordingly. Yes. Uh, so your, your thoughts would be, uh, if you're going to do it the next day, you better make sure you sell it to her before you go get the roses the next day, right? Yeah, and we're going to get a foot of snow, so there's your perfect excuse. Yeah. Honey, I couldn't get out there on Friday, but Saturday, um, you know, you'll be the first one at the counter there when they come up with the cheap <laughs> roses, right? Uh, right. Not not saying you will necessarily, but somebody will. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Do you feel like, uh, and, and I, I brought this up and explained my entire philosophy of Valentine's Day yesterday, do you feel like Valentine's Day has far more pressure on the guys than it does on the women at the risk of getting yourself in trouble? Oh, without question. It's very pressuresome, and it's very, very expensive, too. And, you know, when you think about budgeting this time of year, we just got through Christmas, and for many of us, we've got property taxes coming up with our spring and summer taxes. It is literally a difficult time of year to do this, but, you know, there's some strategies out there. You know, one rose may have the same significance, but it also parlays into financial discussion about budgeting, too. Um, and it's something that this time of year many people are starting to think of. But with snow and Valentine's Day, you know, it's kind of inevitable you're going to spend a little money right now. But if she tells you, I don't need anything, uh, now you're a guy that hears people come in and they all want to have, you know, one of the great things about what you do is you manage to fit all the numbers to their particular situation as well as you humanly can uh, because you are a, a fee-only kind of thing. But right. don't you want to make sure that you also read the codes? Because when your wife says, or your significant other says, listen, I don't really want anything for Valentine's Day. Do not buy that. Right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the poorest sales pitch there is in the history of the world. Yeah. You buy that, and you are the dumbest guy that ever walked the planet. You know, start dragging your hands, because that's about how dumb you are in that situation. Ryan, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's you're absolutely right. There is no argument about it. <laughs> now, Ryan, uh, for people who want to get hold of you, I know 334-1861 is the number, but you've got that great website, too, that's just chock full of information and even cuts from our program here, right? 
Yeah, it does. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, what we do is uh, every week or uh, just about every week, we upload the clip from this, um, and people can go to ryanfox.info, which is our local site. We've got a team of 13, but I'm here in Gettysburg full-time. Uh, and they can do their own, I call it due diligence. They can research us, see who we are, how we operate. And we're fee-only salaried investment advisors, which is relatively rare. And then they can decide if they want to speak to us and come in for an intro meeting and uh, kick the tires. Well, I know how easy you are to talk to on Tuesdays, and people can find out how easy you are to talk in person just by getting over there. Call 334-1861 or ryanfox.info. Ryan, great having you uh, with us today, and uh, happy Valentine's Day to you and your wife. Thank you. You two to yours, too. Thank you very much. Ryan Fox with us here on the Gary Sutton Show, Gettysburg Director of the Financial Consulate, a fee-only financial advisory firm.